Welcome to Nutrition Bites, the no-nonsense podcast where you get the truth about food so you can eat what you want and be healthy. I'm your host, Maggie, and welcome to episode 25 of this series. We are now entering into one of the tastiest times of the year, and regardless of what you celebrate, the focus of this season is food, especially the sweet stuff. On the menu today, natural sugars. Whether you are partaking in a holiday or not this December, the world around us is collectively celebrating treating yourself and each other. Indulgence around this time comes in many forms, getting a facial, purchasing a new fit, or getting extra whipped cream on your frap. One of the most universal ways of showing a little love is through food, especially anything sweet. Chocolate is practically inescapable right now and cafes and bars are dishing out gallons of holiday-inspired sweetened beverages. And of course, home bakers are preparing to battle for the title of best cinnamon babka or gingerbread cookie at the next family gathering. At the center of all these delicious goodies is sugar. Now, sugar in and of itself is not bad for you, but excess sugar added to things during cooking or manufacturing is not the greatest. Lucky for us, Self-proclaimed health gurus have allegedly found a workaround. By substituting white table sugar or corn syrup with quote-unquote natural sugars like honey, maple syrup, or agave syrup, we somehow mysteriously avoid the gluttonous sins of indulging in something sweet. But does this kind of sugar swap actually make a difference? Or is it just another marketing tactic selling false hope like cheesy Christmas movies sell instantaneous love? Let's find out. For a substance that a lot of people are concerned about, there is a surprising amount of misinformation about what exactly sugar is. Sugar is not just the white stuff that we stir into our coffees or measure out for baking. It's an entire category of molecules within the carbohydrate family. Just like how amino acids are the building blocks of proteins, sugars are the building blocks of carbs. For adults who grew up in a cold climate, you're probably familiar with the childhood craft of making paper snowflake chains. Fold a piece of paper a bunch of times, cut out a weird shape leaving one corner of the paper intact, unfold it all, and reveal the chain of identical, wonky-looking snowflakes. Now imagine the structure of a carbohydrate like one of these paper snowflake chains. Each individual snowflake is a sugar molecule, and the length of the chain determines which type of carbohydrate it is classified as. If we just have one snowflake on its own, we call that a monosaccharide. Mono is Latin for one, and saccharide is Latin for sweet sand. Fitting, right? Glucose and fructose are monosaccharides. These individual units are the carbohydrate molecules that our body can absorb and use for energy and other functions. When two monosaccharides are linked together, like two snowflakes in a paper chain, we call that a disaccharide, di meaning two. Lactose, the sugar found in milk, and sucrose, also known as white table sugar, are examples of this. Now, when scientists and health professionals refer to sugar, they're actually referring to all mono and disaccharides. That's because these molecules taste sweet. As soon as the carb chain gets longer in length, it doesn't taste as sweet, 
nor does it have the same effects as sugar does in the body. Examples of these longer chains of molecules, called polysaccharides, include fiber and starch. When it comes to adding sugars to foods and drinks, there are dozens of sweetening options available. Browse through the website of any old-school baker like Martha Stewart, and you'll find recipes with classic sweeteners like white table sugar, molasses, and corn syrup. But if you hop on over to the Instagram profile of an online health influencer, you'll likely find revised recipes using maple syrup or honey instead. Many times, these, quote, naturally sweetened recipes come with names like clean brownies or guilt-free cake. A big red Taylor's version flag in my books. Not only are these names pretty cringeworthy, but they also give the wrong impression about these sweeteners. Because when we're thinking about the health impacts of added sugar, how it acts in our body is more important than how it's made. On a molecular level, the sugars we know and love are a mix of monosaccharides and disaccharides. Glucose, the most common monosaccharide, is the main building blocks of carbs, and so it's found in almost everything sweet. The second most common monosaccharide we consume is fructose, but unlike with glucose, it's a bit more VIP in terms of where it's naturally sourced. Fructose is almost exclusively found in fruits, and also in honey and agave syrup. Both glucose and fructose can be found in the same sweeteners, but the percentages of each varies. For example, white table sugar provides an equal amount of both monosaccharides, while honey has slightly more fructose than glucose, and the reverse is true for maple syrup. Now, the reason it's important to understand the mix of glucose and fructose in these sweeteners is because these two molecules are not metabolized in the same way. As I'm sure you've heard me repeat over and over, glucose is the preferred source of energy for our cells. So when we digest it, it makes its way into our bloodstream so that it's available for use by every cell in our body. Fructose, on the other hand, is a bit more special. Instead of being shuttled around the body as an energy source, it is only metabolized in the liver. Its purpose is to replenish liver glycogen and to create triglycerides, a type of fat. Because of these metabolic differences, the health effects of eating too much glucose or fructose also differ. When you consume sweeteners with a lot of glucose in them, like corn syrup, your body reacts with a spike in blood sugar. This is often followed by a big decrease or crash, which can leave you feeling fatigued and hungry. I'm sure you're familiar with this birthday cake-induced glucose roller coaster. In the long term, though, this drastic up-and-down cycle may lead to the development of diseases like type 2 diabetes. Now, one way to ensure a more stable blood sugar level is through choosing foods and drinks with a low glycemic index. The glycemic index, or GI, is a numeric way to represent how quickly a food causes an increase in blood sugar. Any food or beverage assigned a value over 70 is a high GI item, meaning that it will really spike your blood sugar quite quickly after ingestion. Pure glucose chops the chart with a GI value of 100. Now, because fructose mostly stays in the liver, it doesn't spike your blood sugar in the same way. Its GI value is only 25, which is really low. This is one reason why fructose fans think that this monosaccharide is a healthier choice. And sure, it may be the recommended sweetener for those with blood sugar issues, but it's not a magical solution. 
The result of eating too much fructose is the creation of extra fat, because remember, one of its main roles is to build triglycerides. This can lead to an accumulation of fat in the liver called fatty liver disease, and any excess fat may also be released into the bloodstream, which can lead to cardiovascular disease. So when it comes to processed versus more natural sweeteners, there's no metabolic winner. You have high glucose options and high fructose options in both categories, and an excess of either is no bueno. So are there any benefits to the popular au natural sweeteners? Well, a common defense for these Gwyneth Paltrow-approved sugars is that they are less processed. Now, for some sugars, that's true. The number of steps to produce maple syrup compared to brown sugar is a lot fewer. But that's not necessarily the case for all sweeteners, like coconut sugar. But often the argument for less processed foods in general is the idea that these items retain other helpful nutrients. And this defense is definitely seen in the sweetener debate circles. Both honey and maple syrup are known sources of minerals, vitamins, and antioxidants. But apart from a few exceptions, like the incredibly high level of the mineral manganese in maple syrup, most of the nutrients are found in minuscule amounts. The levels of these nutrients are so small that they really don't make any difference to your overall health. When it comes to honey in specific, it has an additional selling point. It's known to be antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory, and antibacterial, essentially the Marvel superhero of the syrup world. But these properties are dependent on the presence of bee pollen, which is often removed from the honey you buy in stores. Unless you're purchasing raw honey directly from a beekeeper, you're likely missing out on these important bonus properties. Which leads me to a major point for both of these popular sweeteners. A lot of honey on the market is cut with cheaper processed sweeteners, and often pancake syrup, which is just flavored corn syrup, is mistaken for real maple syrup, a blasphemous crime in Canada. So while honey and maple syrup may have some small bonus nutrients, you may not even be getting them if you're buying the wrong thing. Let's move on to another popular alternative sweetener, coconut sugar. Now, whoever's in charge of marketing coconut products in general deserves some sort of award. Not only do they have us convinced that we need to drink coconut water and cook with coconut milk, but now we have to bake with coconut sugar too. For a funky looking fruit, it is suspiciously multi-talented. But unfortunately, when it comes to our health, there's not much nutritional difference between coconut sugar and regular table sugar. It's like the Gucci effect. It just sounds better because it's more expensive. Agave syrup is another sweetener that's become quite popular in the healthy influencer sphere. This sugar is made from the sap of a cactus-like plant and is overwhelmingly composed of fructose. Because of this, it doesn't spike blood sugar as high, and so it's often a recommended sweetener for diabetics. What's also unique about agave is that it's much sweeter than white sugar, so you get more bang for your buck. Interestingly, not all sugars carry the same level of sweetness. For example, lactose, the sugar found in milk, carries only 20% of the sweetness of table sugar. Fructose, on the other hand, is rated as one and a half times more sweet than table sugar. So theoretically, you can use less agave syrup to achieve the same level of sweetness as white sugar. And because using less added sugar is healthier, bonus points to agave. 
But despite this upper hand, agave syrup, just like with coconut sugar, honey, and maple syrup, is still a source of added sugar. And no matter where it comes from or any small advantages it may have, we shouldn't be eating a lot of it. While the saccharine battle of social media may be focused on so-called natural versus processed sugars, the real enemy is being overlooked. Added sugars. Most of our fruits, vegetables, and dairy contain natural sugars. But you're not going to find a doctor who tells you to cut back on the kiwis because of this. I mean, you may find a keto bro who yells at you, but that's covered in episode 23 of the podcast. The reason that we don't find any health issues associated with consuming foods with naturally occurring sugars is because these items also contain fiber, vitamins, minerals, and other nutrients in bulk. In addition to these benefits, the sugar within these foods are trapped in plant cells or mixed amongst other molecules. This results in a slower release of monosaccharides into your body during digestion. And this kind of pace is much easier for you to handle. Now, despite their natural status, maple syrup, honey, and agave are all sources of free sugars, which means the mono and disaccharides are not trapped by plant cells or other matter. They are just floating around, ready to be absorbed super quickly by our bodies. This can cause our blood sugar to quickly spike or our livers to become overwhelmed. Another issue with these sources of free sugars is that we tend not to get full when we consume them. This is why ingesting a lot of foods and drinks with added sugars has been linked with weight gain and obesity, along with the development of other issues like high blood pressure and heart disease. And the scariest part about all of this is the neurological hold that sugar has over us. Consuming sugar causes a surge in dopamine, our feel-good hormone, and we can become addicted to feeding this high, which makes sense if you reflect back on all the times you've ferociously devoured a bag of peanut M&Ms. Speaking from personal experience, of course. It shouldn't be a shock to hear that typically most people living in developed nations overconsume added sugar. Public health bodies recommend that the average woman limits her daily intake to 50 grams, and for an adult man, around 70. In food speak, 50 grams of added sugars is covered by one grande hazelnut latte from Starbucks and four Ferrero Rocher chocolates. And if you are living a hashtag healthy lifestyle, the same limit is covered by two tablespoons of maple syrup and one cup of freshly squeezed orange juice. Our overconsumption of added sugars isn't helped by the fact that we rely heavily on processed foods. In 2015, a team of researchers from the University of North Carolina estimated that nearly 70% of all processed foods in the grocery store contain added sugar. It's become an almost inescapable component of our diet, and unless you're nose deep in the ingredients list, it can be difficult to know if it's even been added or not. That's because the line for sugar on our food labels represents the total amount of sugars present in the food, both added and naturally occurring. So if you're investigating a strawberry yogurt with 12 grams of sugar, you can't tell how much of that comes from the naturally occurring lactose versus cane sugar that was added during manufacturing. Thus far, only the U.S. has made it easier to decipher this puzzle. In 2018, the FDA introduced a requirement which mandates all food manufacturers to label how many grams of added sugar are included in their products. Good job, Obama. And Trudeau, if you're listening, please take note. Despite the evidence that shows any added sugar consumed in excess is not healthy, some sweeteners are still crowned with health halos. 
The perception that maple syrup, honey, and agave syrup are somehow better for you is just the result of pervasive influencer marketing. What these sweeteners may be better for, though, is supporting your local economy. Buying local honey or maple syrup can be an easy way to help out your regional farmers and take care of your local environment. But that's kind of where the benefits stop. At the end of the day, added sugar, in whatever form it takes, is still extra sugar that we don't really need to be eating. But with that said, it's important not to demonize added sugar when you thoughtfully consume it. If you want to drizzle your oatmeal with maple syrup or take a slice of the sweet stuff this holiday season, go for it. Just try to cut back your intake of other sneaky sources of added sugar, like barbecue chips or prepackaged salad dressings. And most importantly, don't be fooled into thinking that Auntie Annie's honey-sweetened cookies are somehow healthier than her sister's brown sugar ones. It's just best to stay out of that family feud and enjoy your moment of sweetness in peace. That's been The Bite for today. Stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Bites. New episodes are released three times a month. Make sure to follow along on Instagram at Nutrition Bites Podcast to continue the conversation. And if you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast and share with a friend. Have a great week.